everybody, it's James Rudd, the digital media editor here at Heart. Uh, today, my co-host, Dr. Andrew Perry, has a discussion with Dr. DeCrew and Dr. Miller from the University of Edinburgh, all about their paper, which is called Ambient Air Pollution and Maternal Cardiovascular Health in Pregnancy. And they discuss how air pollution affects the cardiovascular system and why pregnancy is a particularly vulnerable period. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please do feel free to leave us a podcast review in the app of your choice, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help us to reach uh, new audiences. Thank you very much. This is Andrew Perry. I am really excited to be visiting with Dr. DeCrew and Dr. Miller today. Uh, for our audience, can I have both of you introduce yourself, perhaps uh, Dr. DeCrew first? Hi there, my name is Dr. DeCrew. I'm a pediatrician in training, originally from Switzerland, and I'm doing a research postdoc position here at the University of Edinburgh. Beautiful. Dr. Miller? Hi, my name is Mark Miller. I'm a reader in air pollution and health at the University of Edinburgh. I've been researching the health effects of air pollution for more than 15 years now. Great. Really excited to hear from both of you about your uh, recently uh, published paper uh, in HEART, uh, titled Ambient Air Pollution and Maternal Cardiovascular Health in Pregnancy. I think a very timely and relevant topic. So without further ado, we'll just launch into it. First off, just please, uh, at a very elementary level, just so that all of our listeners are on the same page, uh, define what is air pollution? What are we talking about when we talk about that? So air pollution, it's a mix of chemicals in the air that can arise from different sources, either that can be natural or man-made. And think though that typically when we think about air pollution, we think about sources such as industry and vehicles and domestic heating. Um, and what is it? It's a sort of complex mixture of different gases and liquids and particles. So the gases include things like ozone and nitrogen dioxide. And then the particles they have, they come in different sizes, made of different substances. And it's really the chemistry of those gases and particles that sort of affects how they, they act in the body. But usually, when we're referring to air pollution, we're talking about uh, substances which have a harmful effects on the body. Okay. And I'm sure probably some of those more specific substances may come up in a, further in our discussion here. But yeah, air pollution, obviously being a, an important topic, and we hear about a lot, particularly in the realms, I think, of uh, global warming is probably what most people are familiar with that. But uh, how is that uh, related to cardiovascular disease? Kind of give us a general overlay of what's the relation between air pollution and cardiovascular health? So I can maybe answer that. Generally speaking, that um, there are different types of studies that investigate the potential association of outdoor or so-called ambient air pollution and cardiovascular health. So firstly, there are epidemiological studies which observe a certain population, measure or mathematically model their air pollution exposures and um, measure or observe cardiovascular health outcomes. Then there are exposure studies where study participants get exposed to a certain amount of air pollutants over a defined period of time. Um, and lastly, there are experimental studies in animal and um, cell models where they get exposed to air pollutants. Um, and the sum of these studies um, in the past has shown that um, there are detrimental effects of air pollution on the cardiovascular health. So this includes the heart, blood, and both arterial and venous circulations. Um, and cardiovascular disease outcomes, um, which are associated with air pollution exposure, therefore include, let's say, coronary artery disease, heart failure, cardiac arrhythmias, cardiac arrest, um, cerebrovascular disease, and um, venous thromboembolism. So interestingly, um, exposure to air pollution 
promotes both the progression of cardiovascular disease, but may as well then trigger acute cardiovascular disease as well. And um, these detrimental effects um, to human health have even been shown um, in low to moderately polluted areas, and especially in more vulnerable populations, such as the young, elderly, and patients with pre-existing comorbidities. And your paper, your review paper, talks about one of those particularly vulnerable populations. They talk about maternal cardiovascular health and ambient air pollution. So I guess my first question is, uh, you know, why is pregnancy an important period, both in you know, cardiovascular disease development? I think that's maybe a, one question in and of itself, and then also separately related and the exposure to air pollution. So I would say to come back, as you say, to the first part, um, how pregnancy is important for the um, development of cardiovascular disease itself. Um, it is of note that obstetric and gynecological history, including hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, gestational diabetes mellitus, and preterm birth, determine cardiovascular health trajectories that have future implications for both the mother and the child. And um, on the side of the mother, such lifelong consequences um, include increased risk of hypertension, diabetes mellitus, increased heart disease, thromboembolism, and so on. And for the offspring, it can include perinatal hypoglycemia, small and large for gestational age, intrauterine growth restriction, and so on. So it's a wide list of diseases um, and cardiovascular um, disease later in life of the offspring. Thus, gestation represents a period of high susceptibility to risk factors, but also represents an opportunity to prevent mom and the offspring in the short, intermediate and long term. And I think um, you had the second part of the question, um, why pregnancy is in a more important period um, for as in exposure to air pollution. Correct. And this is to come back to the more vulnerable um, populations that I previously mentioned. Um, so pregnant people represent an under-recognized susceptible population to the effects of air pollution in um, our view. And um, their vulnerability is due to the delicate balance of fetal placental circulation, rapid fetal development, and as well, the normal physiological changes um, that are included in pregnancy, such as faster respiratory rate or, let's say, increased minute ventilation and an altered inflammatory profile. Perfect. Yeah, beautifully stated. My next question is then, just thinking you know, air pollution, there's probably a lot of biological pathways that are affected uh, through that. Maybe you could highlight you know, a couple uh, in which there are the predominant players, perhaps, uh, in which air pollution seems to manifest its effects. When we're talking about the wider effects of air pollution, so just uh, or the, the body as a whole, not just in pregnancy and maternal uh, effects as well. So air pollution has, has effects all over the body. So I think we're probably all aware that air pollution affects the lungs, and that's really the first target of air pollution. And what happens when the air pollutants are inhaled into the lungs, it tends to uh, cause oxidative stress and inflammation. Um, and these are sort of like the key processes that are the, involved in many of the effects of air pollution. But in the lung itself, this would lead to exacerbation of asthma or exacerbation of uh, chronic, or certainly um, promotes the, the progression of chronic uh, obstructive pulmonary diseases as well. 
but they're now we're starting to become aware that air pollution has effects all over the body and in particular the cardiovascular system and if you look at the deaths that are attributed to air pollution actually more than half of them are due to cardiovascular disease and so we've been spending some time trying to work out what are the, the mechanisms by which they do that um, there's sort of three main mechanisms that are sort of highlighted for how we go from the lung to the cardiovascular system the first is, as I mentioned, we have this pulmonary information from the air pollutants and this builds up to an extent that the mediators such as cytokines, these spill over into the blood and then once they're in the blood they can interact with the other organs. Another theory is that what happens is that the sensory receptors on the surface of the lung become activated and this causes neuroendocrine changes. So for example, there's changes into the autonomic nervous system. But I think a sort of theory that's becoming more popular these days is actually the pollutants themselves can pass into the blood. So this can be, for example, some of the constituents, some of the surface chemicals that come off particles. But actually, if you get particles that are small enough, if you looked at like a particle from a diesel exhaust, these are actually smaller than the size ranges of viruses. And these are so small that they can pass into the blood themselves. And once they're in the blood, they can be carried all over the body and they can directly interact with other organ systems. And some of our own work as well has sort of suggested that once they get into the blood, they preferentially build up areas of disease and that's where they're going to cause the most harm. So there's a, a lot of different pathways in action, uh, to, all acting together to, to cause these detrimental effects. Yeah, that's a, a fascinating topic and something we could probably spend a lot more time discussing, but yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, so in your paper, you, you beautifully outlined, you know, a lot of the, the association between ambient air pollution and maternal cardiovascular health. So I won't, you know, we'll just kind of leave those as a teaser for our listeners, but kind of thinking about what are the current limitations and like kind of the future directions for the field and in linking, you know, air pollution with maternal cardiovascular health, where, you know, where are the gaps as you see them? So, um, I would, again, try to answer this quite generally speaking um, and say that most epidemiological studies at the moment use data from stationary monitoring networks to attribute air pollution exposures to um, their study subjects. And for this, usually mathematical modeling or exposure measurements from the nearest monitoring station will be used. However, this will inevitably um, lead to some degree of exposure misclassification and unlikely captures exposures to indoor air pollution or um, of times when the individual is away from the residence. Um, so either at work, holidays or doing sports somewhere else. Um, and therefore, a growing use of personal monitors um, has been started with um, portable devices. Um, they are in any size available um, already. And these devices can capture air pollution exposures more accurately at the place the individual is at, so indoors or outdoors or anywhere. Um, however, it does generate um, a lot of data to be analyzed and um, this can be um, quite tricky to analyze in the end. But especially in late pregnancy when women might be less active and or stay more indoors, um, such more precise capturing um, technique is of utmost importance. And then I would say, um, secondly, and something really important is that the World Health Organization has recently, so in autumn 2021, um, lowered their air quality guidelines. Um, and the effects of lower air pollution exposures are more difficult to capture. However, 
they may be more relevant in the previously mentioned vulnerable populations such as pregnant women. And therefore, studies in countries with low to moderate air pollution levels um, would be useful um, to investigate this exposure response relationship and for guiding as well policy and health advice. Thank you. As I uh, read through your paper and thought about the topic, um, I started thinking about there's a lot of individuals for whom their exposure to air pollution would be difficult to control or regulate. And so, you know, they have this exposure, but how can they improve that? It, it then made me think about whether there was any research to support about you know, lifestyle or the behavioral choices that may uh, be able to help like mitigate some of those effects, for example, exercise or whatnot. Any thoughts related to that? Yeah, I, th I think that's right. So, I mean, there's certainly behavioural changes that a person can make to avoid air pollution, and it's perhaps the, the obvious things. Um, I mean, exercise is an important topic. So if you're someone who may be especially susceptible to air pollution and you you live in a, a, a location which has sort of spikes in air pollution or, or high uh, prolonged periods of air pollution, then, then perhaps you don't want to do strenuous activity on certain days. Um, I mean, we wouldn't want to discourage people from doing exercise because in the majority of cases, the, the benefits of regular exercise outweigh any detrimental effect of air pollution. But if you're someone with a severe heart condition, for example, then not exercising when there's an air pollution alert would be important. Um, and there's other small things you can do. So, for example, uh, we know that air pollutants from vehicles in particular are especially harmful to health. So if you're traveling, you can try and uh, travel, for example, on less busy streets or not travel in peak rush hour. And this would all help reduce your exposure to air pollution. Um, one of the things that we're, we're often asked about as well is personal protection against air pollution. Um, and obviously face masks is something that has been brought to our attention with uh, the, the COVID pandemic. Um, there is some reasonable evidence from the research that suggests that if you wear a face mask in walk in periods of, of high air pollution, for example, walking down a busy highway, actually you can limit some of the detrimental effects that the air pollution has on the body. But there are some caveats to that. So, for example, a face mask isn't going to get rid of the gases. Uh, and the very smallest particles, and those are the ones that come from vehicle exhaust, they will quite easily pass around the gaps in a face mask as well. So I think the jury's still out there on face masks. So while there is things that a person can do to um, sort of protect themselves or to avoid air pollution, I think the, the ultimate message is that we, we don't want to be protecting ourselves against air pollution. We want to get rid of the air pollution in the first place, and then you don't need to protect yourself. Um, and that's going to really require concerted effort across lots of different sectors. It's going to require good policies that are stringent, perhaps unpopular, but stringent and enforceable. And perhaps that sounds a little bit severe, but I think if we can manage to do that and lower air pollution, then ultimately the payoff is you'll have improvements in health. Mm -hmm. oh, beautifully said. Um... I think that kind of wraps up my questions. It's been a really uh, enjoyable time speaking with both of you. Uh, really great insights. Uh, again, congratulations on the on the paper and sure, you know, it recognizes the other great work that uh, both of you are involved with in doing. So yeah, really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much for the invite. Thank you very much. Thank you.